0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Welcome back to another exciting week of Live Like Jesus. And man, it's great to hear the stories that Pastor Chris brings back from Cuba. Uh, It's always awesome to hear them because sometimes I think we get so focused in on our own little worlds that we forget there's more out there and there are believers who are worshiping today in Cuba in, in some new churches down there, which is pretty awesome that we were able to participate in that. And Chris will mention that a little bit later, so I won't spoil it for him. But uh, we're excited about that and it's just great to be here with you today and it's an honor to share from the Word of God. And uh, I'm really excited today because we're going to talk about what Jesus' followers are We're going to talk about what Jesus followers are. And throughout this series, we've been talking about living like Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus in here today, then this is really, really important for us. If you're not a follower of Jesus in here today, I would encourage you to make that commitment today because there is no greater commitment you will ever make in your life. Neither is there a more important decision that you will ever make because the decisions we make now matter for eternity. uh, But if you are a follower of Jesus today, it's really exciting to be here because we're going to look at a scripture where we see Jesus' synopsis of what Jesus' followers are. Now, throughout history, prominent and effective Jesus' followers have always been more concerned with who they are than with what they do. But so often, we seek to start with what we need to do before we focus on who we are. But as we see today, as we're going to see today, everything that we do actually flows out of who we are. So we need to be focused more on who we are and who we are becoming like rather than what we do and uh, so this week we're going to focus on what Jesus followers are. Next week we're going to focus on what Jesus followers do. And uh, when we think about that, you know, many of us have asked the question, you know, what is what is my purpose here? Have you ever asked that question to yourself, you know, why why am I here? Or, or here's a good one. If you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, you've probably asked this question. What is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? And I found that in Scripture, Scripture is pretty clear God's will for our lives. Love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, with everything that we are, and love others. That's pretty much God's will for all of our lives. The way that we do that is different for each one of us. It's kind of like this. If you think about your life representing this little Lego piece, how many of you like Legos? Raise your hands high. All right, I love Legos, I love Legos. In fact, um, I told the story back before Christmas that one of my favorite Christmas gifts was a Lego airplane that I got. It was like 10 pieces, and uh, it, was, it was just spectacular. I loved it, and I went home, played with it for hours and hours and hours, and somebody blessed me with a Lego gift at Christmas this year, and uh, that was pretty awesome. I was really excited about it, and uh, you're gonna see it in a minute. But So this, this piece here, let's say this represents our life. You know, when we look at this piece, we have no idea what it does. We don't know what it stands for. We don't know why it exists. We, we, we just don't know what it is. But when we step back and look at it in a different perspective, and we see it put together with all the other little Lego pieces here, we can see that it's a what? What? It's an airplane, okay? It's not a trick question. It's an airplane, all right? You're like, I, I don't know. It's Lego. It could be anything, which, which is that's true because it does this. Now, what is it? Super awesome helicopter, right? Yeah, military needs one of these puppies. Um, but you see, that piece that I put on here was a piece of the wing. It was a crucial piece because it holds that wing together. And we know that airplanes have one purpose, right? What's their purpose? To fly, Yeah, to transport people or packages from one place to another through the air. That's the purpose of an airplane. And this piece here holds the wing on so that the airplane can fulfill its purpose. Now, this, this particular set of Legos can be turned into actually seven different things, which is amazing and also frustrating when you're trying to put it together and follow the instructions. But when, you are, when it does this, it's a helicopter. When it does this, it's a plane. If you put these back here, it becomes a boat. It, it can do a lot of cool things, but the function remains the same to transport things or people from one place to another. And the function of our life, the purpose of our life remains the same. Love God with everything we are and love others. But the way that we participate in that is different. So the important thing that we must do is we have to learn who we are before we can learn what we do. And see, that's the takeaway from this today is that we won't know what to do until we know who we are. We won't know what to do until we know who we are. You see, way back in the beginning when God created man and woman, he was in perfect relationship with them. In fact, scripture tells us that everything was good. And in that Word good it implies perfect everything was good everything was perfect and man and woman's relationship was perfect with God so can you imagine walking with God in the cool of the day and saying you know God I just got a question this is bubbling up in my heart you know I'm wondering <laughs> I like music and it, it, I'm kind of good at it I don't know if they had music back then but let me just say that they did they could sing all right so you know I, I'm kind of good at singing and I was just wondering you know wh- why why do I like singing what why do I have that gift and God could say you know listen. You have that gift so that you can glorify me, so that you can exalt me and be fulfilled in your relationship with me. And you'd be like, oh, that's cool. Right? But we can't do that today. Have you ever tried to, you know, just find God's house on earth? It's not here. We can't just walk into his house and say, hey, hey, God, why did you create me this way? Or why did I do that? We, we can't do that. And the reason we can't do that is because Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and trade the truth about God for a lie. And that lie was that they themselves could be like God. In other words that they could be God. And so Satan deceived them into disobeying God. God had one rule in this garden he put where he put them, don't eat from the tree in the of the don't eat from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. And Satan deceived Adam and Eve into eating the fruit and they traded that perfect relationship that any opportunity, go up and ask God what in the world is going on. They traded it for a lie. And when they did that, sin entered the world and it became a part of our nature. And therefore, now between us and God, there is hostility because sin is a discretion or a breaking of divine law. we, We broke God's law, and therefore, we cannot be in perfect relationship with him as we were meant to. And last week, we talked a lot about that. So if you missed, uh, you want to go a little bit deeper into this, I'd encourage you to go to newlifexn.org and watch that message. But just as a short recap, here's what happened. Sin screwed everything up. Everything was good, created good. We were in perfect relationship with God. Sin screwed everything up. But God, in his amazing and powerful grace, sent his son, Jesus, here to live the life we couldn't live because God's standard is perfection. He lived a life we couldn't live. He died the death that we should have died. He endured the wrath of God on the cross, which we should have endured. He was buried three days later. He was raised back to life again by the power of God, overcoming sin and death forever, and offers us now his life in place of ours, which allows us to become followers of Jesus and to be welcomed into his kingdom and to be adopted as his children. That's pretty amazing. And if you're a follower of Jesus in here today, you know that, and you've grabbed a hold of that, and you're trusting in that. But sometimes we still struggle with this, who am I, and why am I here, and what is my purpose, and you know, the thing that we need to focus on today before we can know what we need to do and even why we're here is to know who we are. And that's what we're gonna look at today. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open it up to Matthew chapter five. We're gonna look at verses one through 12 together. If you don't have a Bible, but you have your smartphone, I encourage you to open up your favorite Bible app and navigate to Matthew chapter five, verse one. And we're gonna read this. Uh, it'll be on the screen for you as well. But what we're gonna see is our take-home point for today. And that's this, that the Beatitudes give us Jesus' synopsis of what his followers are. So we're going to see in Jesus' own words what his followers are or are to become. So let's read this together. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, right now we ask that you would guide the truth of this text into our hearts that you would illumine your truth, your love, your grace into who we are, that we might know how to be, how to exist, how to live for you. We love you and praise you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So in verse 1, we read, One day as he sat... Sat, saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. Now, Jesus never missed an opportunity to teach a crowd of people, and crowds of people came to Jesus frequently throughout his ministry. And Jesus knew that people were lost, that we, we all struggle with this thing called sin, and so we need help. And here's the really awesome thing about Jesus. Jesus was both fully man and fully God. So everything that he spoke out of his mouth was the truth of God. That's why people flocked to him, because they've been longing and seeking God They wanted to know more about him. They wanted to see him. And and, and when Jesus was on the earth, people were like, man, this guy, he speaks with authority. When he speaks, my heart is pierced. I, I just, I need to be with him. And so when Jesus saw crowds gathering, he always took the opportunity to teach people about God and about this thing called the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what Jesus did here as he began this section of scripture, which is very commonly referred to as the Beatitudes. And uh, he begins in verse three with this, God blesses those who are. God blesses those who are. Now, this statement and in the following statement, nine statements, Jesus begins each one of them with, God blesses those who are. Now, there are two key things that we need to take away from this before we move into uh, the nine attitudes that will lead us to be like Jesus. And here's the first thing, that Jesus is more concerned with who we are than with what we do. Jesus is more concerned with who we are inside, in our hearts, than with what we do You see, Jesus knew in the words that he was speaking, in the words that were recorded providentially by God through the Holy Spirit, through the people who heard him say this, as those words were recorded, they wrote down the right words that Jesus said. God blesses those who are. Jesus is more concerned with who we are than with what we do. The second thing that we learn is this. How many of you want to be happy? Raise your hand. Right? Okay, not all of you. That's weird. I'm happy being sad right? What's that character? There's a character who likes to be sad. Eeyore. Eeyore. That's right. He lost his tail a lot. Dumb thing he is. I don't know what he is even. (laughs) So some of you like to be happy being sad, and that's okay. But others of us, we like to be happy. We want to be happy. In fact, we pursue the jobs, the dreams that we have so that we can be happy in life. And here's the thing. Jesus wants us to be happy. Jesus wants us to be happy. Now, before you throw me out and say he's a health and wealth, prosperity, gospel preacher, I want to just tell you that I'm not. Last week, I I preached on the wrath of God, okay? That's really not health, wealth, and prosperity, all right? It's not. And that's not what Jesus is pointing to here, but the word choice that Jesus used when he said God blesses is a Greek word called makarios, makarios, and a better translation of that word actually is happy. Happy are those who are. Happy are those who are. And so as we go through this list of nine attitudes, we're going to see that there are these nine attitudes that we will be happy when we participate in these things. But I just want to tell you that when you look at them, a lot of them you're going to go, "Uh, I don't think so. I don't think I'm going to be happy if I do that. Because to us, these things are counterintuitive. We don't think that we will be happy if we participate in them, but remember, Jesus is God, and God created us to be in perfect relationship with him, and every word that Jesus spoke was straight from God, because he was God. So he knows what we need. He knows how we can connect with God the very best that we can. So let's look at these nine, what I'm calling B, B B-E, so that we can exist, we can be, we can live, which is actually a state of being, because if you're not living, you're... Wow. If you're not living, you're dead. Dead. Okay? Yes. If you're not living, you're dead. So when we live, when we live like Jesus, we're seeking to be like Jesus. So let's look at these nine B attitudes. Here's the first one. Verse three. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So here's the first attitude we have to adopt if we want to be like Jesus. We need to be broken. We need to be broken. Here's why. So many of us, actually all of us, because of sin, think that we can do this life by ourselves, and we don't need anybody or anything. It couldn't be further from the truth. Sin has blinded us to the fact that we need a savior, that we are enemies of God in our natural state, and that we need somebody to step in and help us. And Jesus said, we will be happy when we realize that fact, that we need God. We were created for God. We were created to know him, to glorify him, to be with him. But sin separates us from that. And we will be happy when we realize that, hey, you know what? I can't do life on my own. I need God. I need him. Jesus said we'd be happy. And then what did he say? We will, what? We will inherit or the kingdom of God will be ours. That's what happens when we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Remember, we we talked about that in the beginning. We talked about it last week that Jesus, when he lived the perfect life we couldn't live and he died the death that we should have died and he rose again offering us his life, we are then adopted into this thing called the kingdom of God, which means that we receive the kingdom, both now and in the next life, because this life is not all there is. Pastor Chris talked about that when we were doing communion tonight. This life isn't it. There's a better life next for those of us who trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, and I hope all of us will do that today, because the alternative to the next life is not good if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and Jesus made that very clear. So, that is the, that's the first be attitude. We need to be broken, realize our need for Jesus. Number two comes from verse four. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now, I just wanna tell you that this one is the only don't be in this whole nine be attitudes, okay? This is the only don't be. Here it is. Number two, don't be stoic. Don't be stoic. Here's what stoic means in case you're not sure. A stoic person is one who can endure pain or hardship without showing their feeling or complain. Somebody who is able to mask their emotions no matter what's happening to them. Now listen, guys, this is especially popular for us to hold on to. We don't like when people see us cry. We don't like to show emotion. We like to be a stoic. And you know what? Hollywood has made tons and tons of money on stories with great characters who are Stoics. But here's the thing. Stoics make great characters, but they make horrible people. They make great characters, but they make horrible And here's why. When we begin to act stoic in our life and we have something bad happen to us or something challenging or something hard and we don't let that emotion affect our hearts, we begin to build a wall around our heart. And as we build that wall around our heart, eventually our heart grows numb to the movement of God inside of us. And so a stoic person has a really hard time responding to God Because for years and years and years of their life, they've been building this wall inside of their heart. It's not just guys. It's also some ladies. But for all of us in here today, Jesus makes clear that if we want to be happy in the Lord in our relationship with him, we cannot be stoic. We have to allow him to move. Because here's the thing, we are made up of our minds, our hearts, our spirits, and our souls, and our flesh. And when in our relationship with God, God affects all of those things. It's not just our mind. It's not just our emotions. It's not just our flesh. It's not just our souls and spirit. God interacts with all of those because he created us, right? So he interacts with all the parts of who we are, the whole person. And so we cannot be stoic because if we are stoic, we will miss out on what God has and we won't see him moving. But here's what happens if we don't be stoic. We will be comforted. We will be... We will sense his presence. We will sense him around us. And you know what happens to the stoic when when eventually he says, listen, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then one day when they realize I'm not good and they look around, there's nobody around them. That's what happens to a stoic. When they need people the most, people aren't there. And that's the way God moves on the earth is through people. Jesus called it his church. And we need each other. Okay, number three. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. This one is pretty simple and pretty clear. Be humble. Be humble. I just want to share with you three scriptures, from, the, uh, from one from the Old Testament, two from the New Testament, about God and his view of those who are proud or pride in general. Here's what it says. The Lord mocks the mockers, but is gracious to the humble. Proverbs 3, 34 and then from James four six, but he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires, as the Scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. And then again from first Peter chapter five, verse five In the same way you younger men must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you serve each other in humility, for God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. If we want to be happy in our relationship with God, if we want to be satisfied in our relationship with God, if we want to interact with God the way that we were meant to, pride cannot have any place in that relationship. Pride is what caused the fall. Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. It was prideful. They selfishly desired to be God, and therefore they traded God for a lie. Sin came into the world and wrecked that relationship. So pride cannot be a part of our relationship, and that's why God opposes the proud, but gives grace or favors those who are humble. And then we can have that good relationship with him. And see, here's the promise that Jesus puts with that. Those who are humble will inherit the earth. They will inherit the earth. And I had a kind of a hard time understanding what that meant So I went to a very important commentary on the Gospel of Matthew by John Brodus, and here's what John Brodus said about this statement. The meek or the humble shall be full citizens in the messianic kingdom, like those holding real estate, enjoying all the rights and privileges. So Jesus, when he was speaking about inheriting the earth, was actually pointing to the future in our next life. After we die to this life and Jesus calls our name and we are home with him, We will have full rights and privileges, those of us who are humble in his kingdom. That's pretty awesome. That is really amazing. Okay, number four. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Here's number four. Be passionate. Be passionate. If we want to live like Jesus, then we need to adopt this attitude of being passionate what does that mean? We talked about it actually last week From Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we need to be passionate about that. In everything that we do and everywhere we go, we need to be seeking the kingdom of God. We need to be seeking his righteousness. We need to adopt that as a way of life. The way that we live is living the kingdom no matter where we are. And then, and remember last week we talked about this, and I just put this together in the first service. This was awesome, and God just did this. Holy Spirit, it was amazing, okay? Jesus actually said in the scripture we read last week that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that he will take care of what we need, okay? That's, that's awesome promise. But check this out, I love this. In this verse, what did it say would be the benefit for those who are passionate, those who hunger and thirst for justice or righteousness? It says, they will be what? Satisfied. They will be satisfied. So those of us who are passionate for the kingdom of God, we adopt that as an attitude in our heart. God will take care of what we need and we will be satisfied. Hmm. That's cool. That's really cool. What an awesome promise. Okay, number five. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. Here's the fifth B attitude. We must adopt this. Be merciful. Be merciful. God is the most merciful being in the universe. He sent his son into the world to die for us. That is mercy. That is love. That is grace. And God demonstrated that to us through his son, Jesus. And when we trust him, we receive his mercy In our lives. Therefore, as followers of Jesus, because our king is merciful, we also must be merciful because we're seeking to live like Jesus, who is our king. We are seeking to live like him. So he was merciful. Therefore, we need to be merciful even when we don't want to. Even when we want to wring that person's neck, we need to be merciful. Just like Jesus was. And here's the promise with that. They will be shown mercy for they will be shown mercy. I don't know about you, but I need to be shown mercy. I need to be shown mercy. I need God to show me mercy. Therefore, we must adopt being merciful as an attitude in our life. Verse nine and number seven. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called, nope, verse eight, number six, sorry. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. And here it is. This is number six. Be pure. This is by far the hardest one of all the Beatitudes. And the reason is because it's a heart issue. Being pure starts here in our hearts. Because remember, what we do flows from what we are. Jesus said that. Every evil thing, every evil desire that we have comes from our hearts. It doesn't come just because of our actions. It comes from within, inside of us. So we, if we wanna live like Jesus, need to be pure. I just wanna read you some desires of our hearts. These are the natural desires of our hearts, the way they are in their natural state. Here it is. Lust, anger, jealousy, pride, greed, envy, and deception. Have any of you ever participated in those? You don't have to raise your hand, Okay. Yeah, we all have at one point or another. That's because that's our heart's natural state. Our heart is sick. God never designed us to have those desires in our hearts. And so when Jesus says be pure, what he means is begin to follow patterns in your life that will rid yourself of those attitudes, those desires in your heart. Pastor Chris talked about that two weeks ago when he was talking about temptation. How do we win the war over temptation? What Jesus did was quote scripture. Jesus hid the word of God in his heart that he might not sin against God, we need to do the same thing. And that's the best way by far to rid our hearts of these evil desires. And here's the the promise, for they will see God. Now, some of you know this because you've experienced this where you have rid yourself of one of these desires and all of a sudden God just becomes so real to you. You see him moving all around. You you see him in somebody else. You see him, his hand at work in a situation. You see him, and that's what happens when we seek to live pure lives. We notice the presence of God everywhere. So we need to seek to be pure if we wanna live like Jesus. Okay, number seven, verse nine. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. So here's the next B attitude we need to adopt if we want to live like Jesus. We need to be peaceful. Be peaceful. Jesus was the greatest peacemaker that ever lived. And as his followers, we need to follow suit. Jesus was the greatest peacemaker because he came in and endured the hostility, the wrath, the anger, the judgment of God for us. And he brought peace Between us and God. So that those of us who trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive and enter into this new relationship where we are at peace with God. If you are wondering today, man, I feel like I'm fighting with God, I'm fighting with God, I would just ask you, have you believed on Jesus? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Because he brings peace into that relationship. That's what Jesus did. And as his followers, we also need to be peacemakers in our dealings and to seek peace with every opportunity that God gives us. So that's what we need to do. That's the the next attitude that we need to adopt. Verse 10, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Next, we need to pursue integrity. In other words, we need to be true. We need to be true. If we say we're followers of Jesus, then we need to follow through on that. If we, if we say we're going to do this in the name of God, then we need to follow through in that. We need to be true to what we say. We need to, if we're going to talk the talk, we need to walk the walk. And you know what? what will happen when we do that? People will start to get irritated with us because the world hates Christians. The world hated Jesus because Satan is the ruler of this world, and Satan hates God. And so the only way Satan can get at God is by hurting his children. And so when we're attacked by people who, who uh, are living in the world, we need to be true, remain true, not give in, stand up for what we believe in, to trust in him. And then Jesus said, this will happen. The kingdom of heaven will be ours. Remember, it's full rights and privileges. It will be ours if we remain true to him, if we trust him no matter what happens in our life. Verse 11, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. That's one of those counterintuitive moments, right? I don't know, Jesus. That's pretty tough. For a a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So this attitude can be summed up with this. Be strong. Be strong. There are going to be days, there are going to be moments when we want to give in. When we want to say, you know what, I, I, I'm not going to be true right now. I, I'm not going to be strong. I'm just going to give in. But Jesus said, if we will endure, if we will push through, if we will be glad to serve him and be strong, then our reward in the next life will be great. And if Jesus says something is great, then it's got to be great. Because after all, he created the greatest things that have ever existed on this earth. So our reward will be great if we remain strong. And here, I want to share this with you as a way of encouragement. Look what the, the uh, apostle John wrote in First John Chapter four, verse four. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who is in the world. The spirit who lives in us is greater than the spirit who is in the world because Jesus overcame sin and death and he offers us now his life and we give, he's given us his spirit and now that spirit lives in us, that means that when we are persecuted, we can bank on the fact that, uh, that the spirit we have inside of us is stronger than the spirit that is inside anybody who belongs to the world. That's amazing. That's an awesome promise for God. So wherever you go today or wherever you go this week, be strong, be strong. Knowing that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Because he is. And he died. Jesus died so that we could have him inside of us as well. So I know that's a lot of being statements. I know it's a lot of hard things to process and think about. Man, if I've got to make that who I am, I don't know if I can do that, and I totally understand. So here's my challenge for all of us this week. Instead of doing all nine of those, let's pick one that God has brought to our hearts today and say, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna seek to be whatever it is God is seeking you to be. Maybe it's be strong. Maybe uh, it's be humble. Maybe it's, for the first time, to be broken. Whatever it is, I just wanna encourage you to live into that state of being because the rewards that God gives us, the blessings that he gives us are so much better than what we'll experience if we don't pursue Jesus and if we don't pursue living like him in this way. Now, imagine if all of us do that. If all of us say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna live into one thing this week. Man, the world will change. And that's exciting because God is concerned about the world. He's concerned about Cuba. He's concerned about China. He's concerned about the Ukrainians right now. He's concerned about Russia. He's concerned about the United Kingdom. He's concerned about people all over the world. He's not just concerned with Americans. He loves people everywhere. He created everybody so that we might know him and be in relationship with him and so that we can know who we are and in turn, know then what we need to do. So here's the commitment for this week I will be a follower of Jesus first this week, letting his spirit shape me and make me more like him. As we go out of here and we do that this week, God will shape us through his spirit into who we need to be, which is like his son, Jesus. And then next week, we'll talk about some practical things that we can do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you had Matthew strategically placed where you did, that he was able to pen these words, this account of what Jesus told us. We praise you. We thank you. We ask, God, that you would lead us and guide us as we leave this place to be like your son, Jesus. We love you and praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen.